0: Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. This past Sunday was a special day at Bethesda Church, and we had a special guest speaker. Daniel Henderson, founder and president of Strategic Renewal Ministries, was with us all weekend and spoke in our Sunday morning service. Our podcast will be a little different as Daniel mixed teaching with times of prayer and singing. We hope it is a blessing to you as you listen. Here is Daniel Henderson. Good
1: morning. Our uh, staff put that together, tell you a little bit about what we do. Uh, I it left the It'll be 10 years coming up very soon, nine years actually, right now, to become a full time spiritual pyromaniac. And uh, it's been a great joy uh, to be able to uh, serve churches and encourage dear and treasured saints like you. Uh, those are all videos from various ones of our events and uh... i've even noticed some from china so i uh, just need to see what the lord is doing as we keep trying to spread the message of seeking God's face for a powerful personal and corporate. Uh, we trust even a national revival. I do want to mention, uh, Pastor Roy wanted me to comment to you that there will be childcare this afternoon for children up to age eight. Is that correct? So uh, we encourage the families to stay and be a part of that and look forward to wrapping up with you today after the wonderful meal and the dedication. Great to be back in South Dakota. I uh, Last time I was here over a weekend, I had a shotgun in my hand and was uh, going out after pheasants in the name of Jesus, but uh, uh, now I'm uh, preaching. Uh, That's even better, but uh, we are so grateful to become acquainted with you, and you have a wonderful church, very healthy, loving, gracious people. God's doing a good work here and uh, so glad I could uh, just get a glimpse of this. I think I'm going to leave more encouraged than you are, and uh, thank you for that. really enjoyed the time with Roy and Pam. Uh, God's brought you a wonderful couple here, and uh, he's got a great sense of humor. We've been enjoying telling jokes and uh, coming up with one-liners. I'm going to steal some of his material and share it with the church next week, but uh, nonetheless, uh, thrilled for what the Lord did among us yesterday and delighted we could be together today. Uh, I do want to mention, Pastor Roy uh, already noted this. This is our ministry, of course. Let's see if this works. Hey, how about that? Uh, if you don't want to fill out the card, you can just, some of you smartphone people can just text something to somewhere and it goes someplace. I don't know how that works, but our staff puts that together. Um, the, this, the CD we'd love to share with you is called Praying the Psalms. And if you did miss the time yesterday, it's a very practical, almost a laboratory talking about the 4-4 pattern that we mentioned yesterday and how to look at a psalm and then to make that work. So we'd love to share that with you just as a word of encouragement. And uh, if you join, we will send you a devotional every Monday to start your week off. And the good news, if you don't like it, you can always opt out. I'm subscribed. But uh, a couple weeks ago, we did one called, Is It Biblical to Vote? That'll pique your curiosity. Might wanna check that one out. Uh, Last week was one called Better Than Smart. And uh, it was about uh, how we overplay education rather than the work of the Holy Spirit and uh, so we just want to keep encouraging you you'll find lots of other resources there that we hope will be a blessing to you and hope that we can stay in touch in that way and maybe be back in South Dakota someday and visit with you this morning uh, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 15 and while you are turning there uh, I just want to kind of set a context for what we're going to do today Uh, we don't often do this but I think it's helpful to sometimes think about what it was like in the early church Paul is writing this letter uh, from Macedonia. He's going to send it by way of a messenger to Rome. He plans to visit Rome. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But you wonder, what did church look like in Rome? What did church look like in Thessalonica? What did it look like in Antioch? And, uh, you know, we get stuck in forms that we've developed over the years. Uh, In fact, I was uh, mentioning yesterday, I think, to the leadership Uh, That I grew up in the church, I I wasn't the way I say it. I wasn't born into a Christian home, but I was raised in one. Because at the age of one, my entire family came to Christ. My brothers, eleven and fifteen years older than me. My parents, uh, their marriage had been marked by uh, uh, infidelity, alcoholism. It was just a mess, and God changed our family. So I grew up in church, and I would say from my earliest recollection till today, nothing has changed. And some of you say, "What are you kidding? You've been living in a cave or what, Henderson?" Uh, Yeah, of course, we've replaced wood pulpits with plexiglass or no pulpits. Uh, We've replaced, you know, uh, hymnals with words on the screen. We've replaced uh, fluorescent lights with fancy spotlights in some places, smoke and digital lights and all kinds of stuff. Uh, You know, in many places, we've stopped wearing ties and now it's jeans and our shirts hanging out, you know. And you say, what do you mean nothing's changed? Nothing's changed. What I mean by that is we, and, and this is not to in any way denigrate what we do, It just it is what it is. Every church across America, we open with a package of songs, we take an offering, we sing, we preach, and we close. And you can almost do that in your sleep, right? Uh, I would, And that, that's good. I mean, it's all form, and forms can be used by God. But I would say in the early church, it probably didn't look a lot like that. Uh, we know they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. I would suggest to you when they gathered, there were not pews, uh, obviously. Uh, I don't know how they sat, but it was a, obviously a much more casual, relaxed dynamic. Uh, they, they probably had a very free-flowing experience. They had no New Testament, uh, so the teachers had to extrapolate on what they had heard from Christ. Uh, what they had been taught by maybe elders and apostles at this point. They obviously honored the Word of God, the apostles' teaching. They fellowshiped together. That's going to be great today. We're going to do that. Uh, They broke bread. We often presume that had to do with the Lord's table and celebrating the centrality of the gospel, and they prayed. Uh, And I don't know what the mix or percentage was, but my guess, there was a very spontaneous, free-flowing, integrated spirit of these things that was just very, very dynamic in the early church. They say, why are you going off on that? Well, because today we're going to do a little bit of that. We're going to integrate some things together. We know they committed themselves to songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. So uh, I'm not just going to preach today. I'm actually going to be a preacher, a prayer leader, and a song leader. And uh, thanks for reminding us that the comfort zone a danger zone, Pastor Roy. That helps us, all right? Uh, and we're not going to push you, you know, to do anything you're not comfortable with. But I think you'll find it to be a very fresh way to experience God's Word and uh, perhaps maybe... Uh, reminiscent of what it might have looked like back in the day before they had all of the, the tools and forms that we have. So Romans chapter 15, verses 30 through 33 today, I want to teach with, to you and, and share with you from God's Word concerning the topic of your most strategic investment. And I want to focus on why, how, and what to pray for your spiritual leaders. Now, I will tell you, Pastor Roy did not tell me to preach on this. He had no idea. Your elders didn't come to me. He hey, could you kind of boost the prayer support for us here? Uh, this was on my heart. And one of the reasons why, this is the final Sunday of a month that is often titled Pastor Appreciation Month. And uh, hopefully you knew it was that, Pastor Roy, and hopefully you've received gifts and flowers and trips to Hawaii and things like that. But nonetheless, uh, it is a week, a month rather, to focus on thanking God for our spiritual leaders. And and I kind of felt like, you know, I could maybe say some things that others couldn't say that would be an encouragement, that would be biblical, that would be right, but that would also be vitally connected to the role of prayer in our lives and in our churches. Now, prior to reading the text, let me just tell you a little bit about the context. Uh, Paul had been in Macedonia collecting a love offering planting churches, strengthening the saints. But one of the things we know he was doing was collecting money from the Gentile churches there, the non-Jewish churches, that he was now going to take to Jerusalem because by this time Jerusalem had come under severe persecution they were distraught uh, they were struggling they needed help and support so the intricacy and integration of the body of christ compelled him to do this he was going to take this back to Jerusalem from there he had planned to come to Rome and make his first visit to this church that had risen up there in that very strategic and influential city of the Roman Empire from there he even wrote in chapter fifteen he'd hoped to go to Spain Now, the Bible says the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Paul never got to Spain. In fact, the great gospel group Three Dog Night wrote a song about that. I've never been to Spain. No, that's not true. But anyway, some of you don't know that group. But nonetheless, he never made it to Spain. uh, And yet he's writing about his plans. And more important than, you know, making sure he's got his GPS plugged in and he's packed all his bags is soliciting prayer support. Asking the Roman believers, would you please pray for me as I continue this trek of missionary work? Because apart from your prayers, I'm not going to make it. And I think today we find in this text, I believe, perhaps the most specific insightful truths about why we should pray for spiritual leaders. That would include your missionaries. That would include your elders, your staff, your pastors. Uh, That would include others you know who are in full-time Christian service or serving in some way. Why we do it, how we do it, and what we pray about. And I think you'll find it to be very, very encouraging as we look at it today. Now on the screen I have from the New King James the text, you may have the NIV or another version. uh, But let me read that and you follow along. In fact, would you stand in honor of God and His Word? I'm not sure if that's your custom, but... uh, uh, it, it, there's a spiritual reason. There's also a practical reason. I like to wake you up before I dig into this sermon, right? But uh, uh, let's honor God's word as we read it together. And here's what Paul writes to these Romans
0: Now I beg you, brethren,
1: through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. And that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may, and may be refreshed together with you. And now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Would you pray with me? So now, Lord, we have loved the privilege of once again being together. Of celebrating the presence of your Spirit in our lives. Of uh, singing to you truths that move our hearts to love and adore you more. Of praying together already. And now, coming to your word, Lord, in order to uh, express our worship and our honor for that word which was sung of earlier. Uh, Lord, I pray that I, your servant, uh, would uh, once again experience unction, utterance, that you would give me understanding, understanding of the text, unction to preach it in the power of your spirit, utterance to make it clear. Help me again today to look out not on a crowd to be feared, but a family to be loved. And I pray that your word would fall on fertile soil that will bring forth the fruit of increasing passionate prayer, delightful obedience to Christ, and willing and enthusiastic engagement in his mission in this world. And we pray this for your glory and the advancement of your gospel. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As Paul writes this letter by way of introduction, he is aware that he's in the midst of a spiritual battle and a... a uh, a nemesis, a supernatural spiritual nemesis that is constantly attacking the church and him. And we are in a spiritual battle today. We prayed yesterday out of the text at the end where Paul reminded Timothy to wage a good warfare. Uh, this is not fun and games. This is not just about religion. It is about a contest for the eternal, eternal destiny of souls, the glory of Christ. And we have now been, as believers in Christ, placed right in the middle of the battle zone. But Paul knew that the enemy had a special interest in his life because of his calling. He wasn't more important, he was just, in a sense, a more strategic target. Now, I don't know how many of you like to bowl, they have a bowling alley here in Huron? Yeah, okay, so that's what we do. Uh, I'm a great bowler, I have to admit, in all humility, I'm an outstanding bowler. Uh, when it comes to wee bowling, uh, I'm, I'm good at that, so I get maybe 280 or something on we uh, Regular bowling, not so much. But here's one thing I've learned about bowling, it's hard to get a strike if you don't hit the head pin. You ever notice that? Virtually impossible to get a strike if you don't hit the head pin. And to make that analogy very practical to us, the enemy knows that it's hard to get a strike against Christ and his church if you don't hit the head pin. Now, I find, you know, I'm not one of those guys who can curve the ball in and hit the head pin, the middle pin. I just roll it down and hope for the best and usually get a split. But, I, I do know that those, the best strikes come from the side. And they hit the head pin in someone next to them. And so that analogy might be the pastor and his wife or a pastor and a staff member. Might be a missionary He's one of his colleagues. The enemy is constantly seeking to get a strike against the church of Jesus Christ. Again, not because leaders are more important. They're just more strategic targets. Twice in my ministry, some of you heard the story yesterday, I had the opportunity, I guess you would call it, to be the next man in following Uh, the very tragic moral failure of a pastor. I was the cleanup guy. They don't have seminary classes for that. You just jump in and do it and hope for the best and trust the Lord. Uh, Tragic situations. And in both of those cases, I understood two things. Number one, these were very good men who over time made bad decisions and it cost them their ministry and in one case their marriage. Secondly, I learned these were good churches that probably failed to pray for their leaders. We all have to own this, don't we? We have to recognize, yes, while those who lead the church have the obligation and privilege of following Christ, living a godly life, being filled with the Spirit, maintaining their marriage, we also have the responsibility of being actively engaged in prayer support for those who lead us. Paul was unashamed throughout the epistles about asking for prayer. Uh, In fact, I remember early in my ministry, I was a little shy about that, thinking, well, that's kind of selfish, egotistical, I asked people to pray for me until I read how Paul did that. And then I realized it was a win-win. I needed the prayer and they needed the practice. So so we all got something out of this, right? But it's really not about us, it's about the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we understand the power of prayer and this being one of the great applications of it. So what Paul did was basically call for a powerful counterattack through the weaponry of prayer. And he writes to these Romans and he in very specific terms tries to motivate and clarify them what it means to pray and to give them some prayer targets that would really be effective in the work of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so that's really what we see as we come to this text today. And I trust it will be an encouragement to you as we think about it together. See, Paul knew that in his missionary endeavors, talking to men about God was a great thing. But talking to God about men was the first thing. Prayer is not the only thing we do, it's just the first thing we do. And Paul knew that when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. And so he was inviting the church to join him in this wonderful work as the gospel continues to go forward to his ministry. So as you look at the text, we're going to walk through it uh, verse by verse, thought by thought. I want to see first first of all why we must pray for Christian leaders, why we must do it, uh, the real motivation. And first of all, we have a duty to pray. Paul begins in verse 30, I appeal to you. The Greek word there is parakaleo. We often think of it as a word to come alongside, to encourage. And that's what Paul is saying. I'm, I'm coming alongside and I'm just simply encouraging you to pray. I'm asking you to join me in prayer. Now, if I were to take a poll, how many of us know we should pray for our leaders? I think we'd all raise our hands, right? Uh, we know we should do that. And Paul knew that they had a sense of duty in that regard. But let's be honest, duty's not always enough. Obligation is not always equal to endurance. And so he now gives us something that I think is so much more powerful. Besides just our duty to pray, our regard for Christ. Look with me, if you will, what he says. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, at first glance, we know that all prayer is impossible apart from Jesus, right? The only way we can pray now is because of the finished work of Christ who made a way into the holy of holies by his sacrifice on the cross and we now have the privilege of that intimate encounter with a holy god through our savior we also know he ever lives to make intercession for us he is our intercessor uh, reminding the father that we are the righteousness of god that we are his children advocating for us but paul's saying much something much deeper here uh, the most literal translation of this and you find it in the amplified is to pray for jesus sake for the sake of Jesus Christ. So some of you'll figure, well, here he goes again. This is a worship-based prayer. (laughs) He's really telling them to pray, not just out of duty, but based on their worship of Jesus Christ. He says, I know you love me, I I know you sense how important this is, but I need to give you a trigger that's gonna be much more powerful, and that is Jesus himself. I want you to pray because of your regard for him. Because after all, I'm just his servant. We are just His people. This is His church. And it is His name and renown that is at stake. So I want you to pray because of who Jesus Christ is. Alright? So that's a great point. But one of the best ways to make that real is to pray because of who Jesus Christ is, right? So I'm not going to get you all in circles singing Kumbaya today. I know a lot of you would uh, you know, probably pass out to, to get into something like that. But I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I want us to pray what we've just taught. And I want us to just extol Jesus for who He is. Because that's what motivates us to pray. And I'm going to ask you in the next moment, you can do it in your own heart. Just say this to yourself. If you're seated with a spouse and you're comfortable praying with them, you can do that. If you're with the family, you can do that for a few minutes. But I want us just to park right here and realize how worthy Jesus is of our prayers. Because that's what Paul is saying. I want you to pray because of who He is. And so I want you to simply, for the next moment or two, simply say, "Lord Jesus, you are worthy because you are. You are worthy because you are." It might be His name, uh, one of His names, it might be one of His works, it might be something He's done in your life. But Jesus, you're worthy of my prayers because you are. All right. So I know this is not maybe normal in, in a lot of contexts, but I know you're praying. Yesterday, you were all praying like crazy. It was awesome, and the Lord was moving your hearts, and it was special, beautiful. But, you know, I say the best way to apply God's Word is to pray So before we go to the next point, why don't we pause here and just say, Lord Jesus, you're worthy of my prayers because you are. And, and another one, or in your heart, repeat that several times as different things come to your mind. If you're praying with someone, just pray it over and over again. Jesus, you're worthy because you are. And would you do that right now? If you want to pray with someone, do it right now. Go pray alone, just do it right now. And let's just declare the worthiness of Jesus Christ. Would you pray just for the next moment or two? Let's turn that praise into a simple chorus
2: for you.
1: that Paul gave to these Romans as he so needed prayer, he ultimately pointed them to the worthiness of Jesus as the motivation of their prayers. And Lord, would we be reminded as we think of missionaries and pastors and elders and staff and people we know who serve you so faithfully that it's ultimately not even about them, it's about you. And even as Paul reminds us here, may it be the fame and renown and glory of your name that motivates our praying as we think to pray for our leaders today in Christ's name, amen. Notice Paul's next statement here about why we pray. Not only a duty, an encouragement he gives us, not only our regard for Christ, but here's an interesting nuance, our love for the Holy Spirit. Now, what what it says in the text, I don't know what version you have, but it just says, and by the love of the Spirit. Now, again, at first glance, that could mean maybe the Spirit's love for us. Uh, It could mean His love in us for them. But the most literal rendering in the original language is our love for the Holy Spirit. Now, I grew up in a very conservative Baptist church. And we used to sing, Oh, How I Love Jesus all the time. I didn't even know if it was legal to say you love the Holy Spirit. You know, that might have been weird. Uh, But Paul makes it very clear here. One of the reasons we pray is because we love the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Where would we be today apart from the Holy Spirit? Our lives would be empty. We'd be empty shells, just religious people. But because of the work of Christ and the purification of His blood, we are now temples of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible is so clear. The Holy Spirit wrote this book. We'll talk more about this, this afternoon. He wrote the Bible. He helps us understand the Bible. He seals us to the day of redemption. We could go on and on and on and think about the work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is making a direct link between their prayers and the work of the Spirit. And he said, I want you to pray for me because we love the person and work of the Spirit. And that's what will happen as we pray. So we're gonna pray again. You may do something you've never done before. I'm gonna ask you to tell the Holy Spirit that you love Him. Isn't that interesting? And so again, just as we did a moment ago, if you wanna pray on your own, you can. If you're with someone you're comfortable praying with, feel free to do that. But just for the next minute or two, I want you to simply say, Holy Spirit, I love you because... Why do you love the personal work of the Holy Spirit? His character, His work, what He's done in your life? Let's do that right now. Again, the best way to understand this text is not to fill in a blank. It's to pray it, isn't it? So would you right now just begin to say, Holy Spirit, I love you because... Let's do that right now as Paul encourages us. So Lord, we sung earlier of our delight in the Holy Spirit, His work in the church. And Lord, in a very personal way, we take this passage Paul gives us, and we want to make it real in our own hearts, and want to be reminded that we are to love the Holy Spirit. And it is that hope of His work and His power that compels us to pray. It is our belief that there are things only the Holy Spirit can do in our lives, only the Holy Spirit can do in ministry only the Holy Spirit can do to convert the lost and to advance the gospel that compels us to pray. So Lord, thank you for this reminder this morning that yes, we have a duty and we have a wonderful Christ who's worthy of our prayers. But we also love the person and work of the Spirit and look forward to what He is going to do as He teaches us to pray, shows us what to pray, how to pray, and He advances the name of Christ through the work of His power in and through us. And we pray this. Amen. Amen. So that's why we pray. Fascinating, isn't it? Not just because I should, but because of who Jesus is, because I love the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And now Paul moves a little deeper and he talks about how we should pray for Christian leaders. And I want you to see that in the second part of verse 30. He says, I want you to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Now that's strong language. And literally the Greek word there is soon agonizomai. Say that with me, it just make you feel smart. All right, here we go. Soon agonizomai. Man, say I've been to Greek class today, right? I'm not trying to impress you, but you can tell the nuance of that word is pretty pretty clear. Soon is a preposition that means together with. Agonizomai, well, in English that sounds like what? Agonize. Yeah, and that's what it is. This is not a pop call to God, right? Lord, I'm so glad we can be here at Cracker Barrel. And uh, oh, yeah, I pray for Pastor Roy while we're at it, right? Uh, It's a little more than a pop call to God. This is a prayer that has tapped deeply into the heart of God Himself and has been moved by the heart of God Himself to pray in a way that is really extraordinary. The word literally means to contend with adversaries, to fight, to strain. It is the idea of God sharing his heart with us in such a deep and passionate way that it moves us to the very fiber of our being. I think an illustration of this would be Nehemiah, when Jerusalem's walls were broken down in ruins. A lot of people knew about that, didn't they? You wonder, why Nehemiah? Why didn't someone else feel that burden? Why didn't someone else uh, sit down in ashes and weeping and repentance and prayer and passion and say, God, we are, we are in trouble as God's people. Something must be done. Uh, Nehemiah, he wasn't a pastor. He was a, he was a, a common man, a, 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 in a sense a businessman. But he felt such a passion in his heart that he wept and he prayed and he fasted. He felt the agony of God's heart. Why? Because he was a man of prayer. And this is not being angry. A lot of us are angry about our culture. A lot of us are frustrated about our culture. A lot of us are critical of what's going on in our world. A lot of us are concerned. This is more than that. This is a spirit of agonizing over the present condition and the affairs of the world in which we live. And, and of all that at stake in the moment for the, for the sake of souls and people who are far from God and, and the importance of the gospel, we begin to feel the agony of God's heart. The agony of Jesus' heart as he, he wept over Jerusalem, recognizing that they had rejected the opportunities that had come to them in Christ. The agony of God's heart as He stood there at the grave of Lazarus and understood the, the, the desperation of man's condition without the hope of a resurrection. And I wonder as we walk through our places of business and enterprise and social affairs, do we just see with our own eyes what's obvious or do we feel with the heart of Jesus the depth of what is at stake? And I'm going to ask you just to pause quietly for a moment just in your own heart. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I trust might be your prayer today as we think of what Paul's encouraging us to do and to feel here. Lord, I would confess on our behalf that My heart often is more excited about NFL than it is broken over the lost. I would tell you it's easier for me to talk about hunting than it is to talk to someone about their spiritual condition. Lord, I recognize that my priorities often are out of order. My interests are often misguided. And I confess to you that it is a heart issue. And so, Lord, as Paul was recognizing all that was at stake in this missionary endeavor for the sake of the gospel, he has already admitted that he is wanting them to do what he was doing, and that was agonizing. We can imagine, Lord, that with tears he thought about the mission to which you called it. With tears he, he felt the pain of what fellow believers who were being persecuted were going through. Lord, with tears, he thought about those who were struggling in their faith. And so, Lord, I I want to and I pray that all of us would in this moment just surrender the callousness of our hearts, the apathy of our souls, the distraction of our minds, Lord, that keep us from feeling the things that you feel, from being burdened by the things that burden you, from being moved by the things that move your heart. And Lord Jesus, may our heart be your heart. And may we truly have the heartbeat of Jesus in all that we do, in all that we say, and in this context, in all that we pray. And we pray this for your glory. Amen. Amen. I would encourage you, this is a sidebar, but uh, I even thought about showing you this morning. And I don't normally tell people to go to YouTube, but uh, there's a video on YouTube. This is a little unpaid announcement. Uh, by a guy named David Wilkerson. Some of you remember David Wilkerson, founded a T challenge, cross and switchblade. He's now in heaven, but it's called anguish. And if you search uh, anguish and David Wilkerson on the internet, you'll find this YouTube video. And before you start it, have some Kleenex. That's all I got to say. Have some Kleenex because in a passionate way, he unpacks this whole idea of ha- having a heart that is anguished over the things of Christ. And I believe it would be a wonderful follow-up, even from what we taught about today, and hopefully an encouragement to you. All right? So now, what should we pray about? You know what I love about this text? Uh, pastor would love this. It's a three-point prayer outline, right? It's always three points, right? There's no poem. But we've got three prayer points here. And you can identify them in English by the word that. Because literally, as you look at the text now, he says, pray that, pray that, pray that. And I want us to see what he says and how powerful this is today as we look at it. Notice what he says in verse 31 now. Pray that I may be delivered from those who are unbelieving in Judea. All right. So when we first read that, you may not really understand what that meant. But let me set the context. He is now going back to Jerusalem where he is corporate enemy number one. If they had post office, his poster would be there. The Jews hated this guy. He had disrupted their status quo religion. People were now leaving the faith to follow Christ. He had defected from the the highest ranks of their religious system. And now he was evangelizing the world with this gospel. And literally, they were out to kill him. And he said, I want you to pray for me because I'm walking right back into the lion's mouth. Uh, we mentioned this yesterday but I love what John Piper says until you know that life is war you cannot know what prayer is for and Paul knew he was facing battle and he was going into the war zone now you may say well that's fine but you know what about today well obviously if you Paid attention at all to the media. There are believers across the world today losing their heads, losing their lives, being tortured, horrendously crucified, all in the name of Islam because they hate the cross of Jesus Christ. That should move us. Maybe if you go home and watch that video, think about these people all around the country. Next week, I understand, next weekend is the National International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. Boy, what an opportunity to agonize. For those who are in the gospel and to pray for their protection also i just remind you that we are in a spiritual battle and i'll tell you a story a buddy of mine named ted had this experience on an airplane and i have now heard from two other sources a very similar story ted was flying into california one day seated next to a guy with a middle seat in between and the guy appeared to be fasting i mean appeared to be praying rather and Ted thought, "Well, that's interesting because it was very intent." And then when the meal came, you remember that back in the days, the meal came, uh, the free meal, uh, and the guy passed. And then Ted thought, "Well, he must be fasting as well." He didn't want to bother him, but as the plane began to land and people were kind of shuffling around, getting ready to get off the plane, Ted started a conversation with him and asked him, "said I'm sorry to interrupt you." He said, "But I just observed you've appeared to be very serious on this flight. Have you been praying by chance?" And the guy said, "Actually, I have." And Ted said, "I noticed you didn't eat. Are you fasting?" He said, Yeah, I am fasting. And Ted smiled and he said, You must be a Christian. And the guy scowled back at him. He said, Absolutely not. Ted said, What are you? He said, I'm a Satanist. Ted said, What are you doing? He said, Satanists in our area have vowed together to pray and fast once a week to Satan for the downfall of the marriages of Christian leaders. Friends, we are in a battle. And we may not see it, but it is very real. And this is no time for a lackadaisical approach to praying, is it? It's a time for us to realize that we need to be praying for our leaders with all the strength and energy that we have that God would protect them from all kinds of things. But certainly those prayers of protection, and Paul knew that he needed that. Now, just a caveat, Paul actually really didn't care if he lived to tell about it. I know that sounds a little funny, but uh, literally on his way to Jerusalem, we know from the book of Acts, He stopped in a place called Miletus and met with the elders of Ephesus on his way to take this love gift. And he said to them in that context, he says, The Holy Spirit is saying to me that bonds and afflictions await me. So please pray that I survive. That's all he said. He actually said, This doesn't move me. It doesn't matter. He said, The only thing that matters is that I may finish my course. I just want to stay alive long enough to make sure I finish the purpose for which God has placed me on this earth. And to that end, he is saying to these Romans, would you please pray that I will be delivered from the plots, the schemes of these unbelievers in Jerusalem because I still have a mission accomplished. I don't mind dying in Jerusalem. I just don't want to truncate my job. I want to get it done. And so he says, would you please pray for protection. Second thing he says, would you pray pray for the prosperity of the work? And I don't mean Benny Hinn style prosperity. I mean uh, God's blessing, God's grace upon the work. Notice what he says. And that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. You say, all right, what's that mean? Okay, you remember he is taking Gentile money to Jewish Christians. And there was clearly a spirit of uh, discrimination racial divide, suspicion that existed in that day. Literally, Paul knew I could actually get there and deliver this gift, and they rejected it. They could question my motives. They could uh, create a controversy. Can Gentiles really even be saved? You know, this money's from those Gentiles. We don't want it. This whole thing could blow up in my face. So he says, would you pray that God will move in their hearts to accept the ministry that God has called me to deliver to them? I had one pastor friend who used to say to me, if the devil doesn't get you outside the church, the saints will get you inside the church, right? I remember when I was a young man in ministry, a pastoring with a team up in the Pacific Northwest. And we called in a a mentor, a really wise man. His name was Al Broom, And he sat with us one day, and I'll never forget, he asked us two questions as he leaned across the table. He said, young man, you know what the number one problem of the local church is? Well, he didn't know much at all. We said, what? He said, it's the toleration of known sin." we wrote that down we thought man that's heavy the toleration of known sin he said now do you know what the number one sin of the local church is and we did have some guesses on that one we came up with some really juicy answers and he said no that's wrong he said the number one sin of the local church is a critical spirit now I was so green in ministry that sounded really interesting thirty years later Al was right I've done enough pastoring, been in enough churches to realize that that is one of the acceptable sins of the church that really is very heinous and destructive. And Paul was really kind of addressing this. He said, you know, I could get there, and these people, instead of being accepting of what the Lord is wanting to do in their hearts, could be critical of my methods, my motives, they could be critical of the people who sent the money. And he said, would you just pray that God would work in their heart to receive this gift and prosper the work that God has called me to accomplish? Boy, great prayer request, isn't it? So pray for the protection of our leaders. Pray for the prosperity of the work of the gospel that God has called them to do. And then a third prayer request he mentions here, if you'll notice with me as he gets into verse 32. So that by God's will, and again, he's submitting all this to God's will. He's made his plans, but he says, you know, I really don't know how this is going to turn out. By God's will, I may come to you there in Rome with joy. Pray that I'll keep my joy. Hebrews 13 says, let them do this with joy. that would be unprofitable to you it's not profitable to the church when leaders lose their joy right so he says pray that I'll come to you with joy and I love this I will be refreshed in your company Paul is actually very transparently saying to them when I get to Rome I I I hope I still got my joy and I I hope by God's will I come and see you but one thing I know is when I get there I'm going to need to be refreshed by you this is going to be grueling, this is warfare, it's battle, it's strenuous, it's tiring, so I can't wait to be at the 10 o'clock service at the First Church of Rome and just be refreshed as we worship together and we share the good things of God. Would you pray that God would provide for me in that way? Isn't that an interesting statement? So those are three key points of prayer for our leaders. So what should we do about that? Pray, what a concept, we should pray. There you go, so here's what we're going to do. If you are a staff member, an elder, a deacon in this church, a pastor, would you please stand right now, and with your spouse as well, all right? If you're in one of those leadership roles, and I know there are other leadership roles, if you like your other leadership role, you can stand too. We don't really care. We're not trying to discriminate. just trying to identify those who lead us. First of all, aren't you grateful for these folks? Don't you thank God for each and every one of what you do to serve the church? God bless each and every one of you. Thank you. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, You've been sitting for a while, uh, and we're going to land the plane here real soon. Don't worry. But uh, I want you to now, if you're not standing, to see where these folks are and to get up and to gather around each one of them. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer, okay? Uh, I won't make you pray out loud or anything, but I'm going to ask you to identify with them. Now, stand by and put a hand on the shoulder saying what is that some spooky thing no that's just that's just identifying with them it was indicative of blessing it's indicative of approval and grace and i'm going to ask you to do that so we got a bunch down front so you folks in the back can come you in the balcony you you're really going to be blessed you got a whole bunch of people just for you up there uh pastors down here would you just move around and just create a prayer circle around each one of these leaders and i want i'm going to lead us in a prayer for each of them as we think about the points that we have just taught on And I want us to truly support them in prayer. All right? So make sure everyone who has stood has someone around them. And uh, we want to practice what we have preached as we have just thought about this imperative point. And feel free to just, you pray in your heart as I pray. If you want to whisper a prayer while I pray, you can. But let's make this a very genuine commitment to pray for those who lead us. All right? So let's pray together. Father, right now we come to you because Jesus is worthy and we love the work of the Spirit. We want our hearts to be truly stirred with a sense of agony about all that is at stake, even in the ministry and lives of these people. And we come right now and we agree together, Lord, that you would protect them from the wiles of the devil. We ask, God, that you would protect their mind from the fiery darts of the enemy. We ask that you would protect their hearts from emotions that would be destructive. We ask, Lord, that you would protect their feet and the places they go, the thoughts they think. We pray that you would protect them, mind, body, and spirit. We ask, Lord, that you would protect their marriages, Lord. We know, as we've heard this story, the enemy has a special target toward the marriages of Christian leaders. So help husbands to love their wives, wives to honor their husbands. Help the husbands to live with their wives in an understanding way so that their prayers would not be hindered. Lord, we pray that you would protect their children. We know the enemy, if he can't get to the marriage, he goes after the kids. And we pray that you would protect children from from false expectations that sometimes uh, defeat them from church members, Lord. We pray that you'd protect them from associations that would lead them away from the gospel. You'd protect them from all of the things in this world that come against them in temptation, sexual temptation, the things of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And now, Lord, we ask that you would prosper these leaders, Lord. Would you bless the things that you put in their hearts? God, we know they are here giving of themselves to serve the church, to serve the gospel. And we pray that you would bless their plans, that it would be your plans you put in their hearts. But we also pray for us, Lord, that you would deliver us from a critical spirit. Lord, certainly we can can have critical thinking and find better solutions, but a critical spirit is always destructive, Lord. So deliver us from those thoughts that would be hurtful and harmful toward those we lead. And then, God, we ask for your provision in their lives. Lord, would you refresh them? Would you build them up? Would you encourage them? Would you prompt us to write them letters of thanks and gratitude? Would, would you help us be mindful to tell them stories of what you're doing in our lives? And we pray that together we will be, freshed, be refreshed in the gospel and encouraged for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whom, whose name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Now before you go back to your seat, Whatever you're comfortable with, you can give them a holy hug or a holy handshake, one or the other, all right? Let them know you love them, how much you appreciate them, their service for you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for doing that. Now, we're not finished yet, so uh, don't leave, all right? Uh, just got a few more thoughts we're going to share here as we prepare to wrap up. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing. God is honored in this. It's a right thing to do, and uh, indeed, may the church of Jesus Christ be blessed because of it. So, here's the question as we close today, all right? In conclusion, and you can sit down now. Uh, Yeah, uh, we'll pray some more, but we'll sit when we pray next, all right? So, here's the conclusion. So, so this is the question we've got to ask. So, what might happen if we apply this sermon to our lives? What might happen if we say, Lord, you are so worthy... I'm going, to, I'm going to kick it up a notch and I'm going to pray for my leaders. Lord, I love the person who the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for my leaders. And I'm going to ask you to help me just agonize about the things of the gospel. And I'm going to pray for their protection and the prosperity of their work and, and the provision of refreshment in their lives. What might happen? It's a great question, isn't it? You always ask good questions here in South Dakota, as I said yesterday. Well, I've got to tell you this quickly. We know what happened for Paul. That's what's so cool about this. All right, now, it's found in Acts 21 through 28, so we're going to read those chapters. No, we're not. I'm just going to give you a jet tour through that, a kind of a Henderson uh, summary, and I'll tell you what happened. So Paul got to Jerusalem to deliver this gift, and the book of Acts tells us that there was no controversy. They actually received it with joy. They were thrilled to hear what God was doing among the Gentiles. They say, now, how did that happen? Don't forget, there's a church in Rome. They're gathered, they're praying, they're agonizing. They're not getting any tweets or Facebook posts or text messages. They don't know what's happening. All they know is because Jesus is worthy, they love the work of the Spirit, they're agonizing in prayer for this effort in Paul's life, and God is using them to advance the kingdom. Even though they're unaware of the answer, God's still doing it, isn't He? And let me remind you that sometimes when you pray, you don't know how God's answering But he's still worthy to be sought and the Holy Spirit is certainly uh, the one that gives us love and we love his work so we keep praying and leave the results to God. But in this case, they accepted the gift. Secondly, while he was there though, things began to get a little crazy. If you know the story, some Jews spotted him and a riot broke out. That was one of Paul's spiritual gifts, the gift of variety. Uh, they, They literally were attacking to kill him. The Romans heard all of this chaos, extracted Paul from them, and took him into a kind of a sequestered situation to interrogate him to find out what's going on. Well, now the Jews are really ticked. This is kind of a, again, this, you can read it for yourself. Now they're really ticked. That doesn't say that exactly in there, but they're really ticked. And Paul's nephew happens, hmm, how odd, happens to hear them talking. And what they have said, a group of them has said, we're not going to eat or drink anything till we kill this guy. They are now scheming to get him out of the Romans' hands and to do him in, and they're not going to eat or drink until... That's pretty intense, I would say, right? But the nephew goes to Paul and says, hey, Paul, this is what they're playing. As Paul says, tell the Romans. Paul tells the Romans. And now, as part of this whole protection thing... Uh, you know, God prospered the gift already, but now the whole protection thing really gets crazy. Let me read to you one other verse that's found in Acts chapter 20. I think it's one of the, in some ways, the, one of the funniest verses in the whole Bible. So, again, the Romans are praying, protect Paul, Lord, protect Paul. We're agonizing, protect him, help him finish his task. And in Romans chapter, uh, no, it wasn't 20, 20, now I've lost my verse. Here it is. Um, no, that's not it either. Isn't that funny? Don't you love seeing a preacher get lost? Uh <laughs> Was it 1660? I knew I should have written, wrote this down. I wrote it, it read it the other day. Well, I'll come back this afternoon. I'll tell you where it is. But anyway, <laughs> here's what happened. The Romans, and you can do the math here because I, I've got the verse in my head. That, that really kills me that I can't find this. This is killing me. I've read this so many times. I've got a different Bible. You know how you got your own Bible and it's so easy to find this stuff? And uh, Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to find it, folks. Just, let's sing a song right now. And... Uh, <laughs> This verse is going to come to my attention. Here it is, twenty-three, twenty-three. All right, twenty-three, twenty-three. So the captain of the guard. Is somebody, anybody good at math here? If some are very good at math, all right. No, all right. Those of you who are decent at math, do the math. Here we go. He called two of the centurions and said, "Get ready, two hundred soldiers with seventy horsemen and two hundred spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night." Anybody do the math on that? Four seventy. Can you believe that? I mean, this is just one little guy. But you know what? The Romans are praying, God protect him. I think God showed up pretty strong, didn't he? 470 soldiers in the middle of the night to get Paul from Jerusalem to Rome to protect him. Wow, isn't God awesome? So he gets up there and he shares the gospel with Felix and Festus and Agrippa. And then he appeals to Caesar because he's a Roman citizen. All right, so he gets a ticket on El Italia Airlines and buzzes over to Rome and all is well. So said, I didn't read that in the Bible because it's not there. I'll tell you what actually happened. He took a ship. She said, oh, man, I remember this now. Partway there, they get in a storm. God gives Paul wisdom. Uh, the ship is wrecked. They all are saved. Say, man, that's a crazy story. How is that happening? Because some people in Rome are praying, Lord, protect him. Help him finish his mission. So now one night they're on this island and they're having a little uh, weenie roast and s'more. It's not in the Bible either. But Paul reaches in to g- grab a piece of wood for the fire and a poisonous snake grips, uh, bites him, a viper. And the, the natives say, he's cursed, he's cursed. He shakes it off, doesn't faze him. Fickle people. He's a God, he's a God, right? But God's protecting him. Well, eventually he makes his way to Rome. What an amazing story of God's protection. Friends, that makes me want to pray. You never know how God's using your prayers, right? So he gets to Rome, and I hate to tell you, he did not get to attend the 10 a.m. traditional service at the First Church of Rome. He's in jail. He's in house arrest. So you say, well, I guess that prayer flopped. How about that refreshment thing? It just didn't work, did it? Ah, hold on. Very last letter Paul ever wrote to Timothy when he was in prison, 2 Timothy. He knows his, his days are numbers, about to come to an end. I mean, you think, man, this guy, he better go for broke. This is the last thing he's ever going to write. So he better be serious about the stuff he says. Twice in that book, he mentions a guy, and I don't, we don't know for sure the pronunciation. It's either Onesiphorus or Onesiphorus. You can take your pick, all right? But he said, may God bless the household of Onesiphorus, for he was not ashamed of my chains. And this was a businessman from Ephesus, and every time he came to Rome, you know what he did? He searched Paul out. And Paul says, Oh, and he often refreshed me. Onesiphorus became the answer to his own prayers, didn't he? in a sense and uh, the Romans were praying and God used this man to, to really begin to refresh the heart of Paul and it meant so much to Paul he mentions him in this last letter he ever writes two times now I want to tell you something folks it doesn't take a prayer group necessarily although that's great it doesn't take a whole church sometimes it just takes one Onesiphorus to refresh a leader so turn to the person next to you poke him wake him up say be an Onesiphorus I don't know if you can say his name but say it anyway be an Onesiphorus alright be a refresher and that would be my challenge. Before the day is over. What a great day. We're going to have lunch together. We're going to dedicate ourselves as you think about this properly. You're going to have some time today. I would ask you, refresh one person before the day is over. Say, so what does that mean? Just tell them you're grateful for them. Tell them how they blessed you. Tell them how their life is making a difference for Christ. And what a wonderful ministry that is. So we know what happened with Paul. It's such a great story. God prospered his work. He protected his life miraculously. And he refreshed his spirit. Certainly in other ways, but at least we know through this one notable guy, old brother Ani. Now, what would be the result for us? Well, I end just with this one thought. Peace, peace. Notice what Paul says. As he wraps up, and now may the God of peace be with you all. You know, the Bible always uh, uh, connects a direct line between praying and peace. In Philippians 3, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything and what will happen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And Paul is saying to these believers now, with this commitment before you, I know I can give you this benediction, that the God of peace will be with you all. There's never more peaceful heart than a praying heart. There's never more peaceful marriage than a praying marriage. There's never more peaceful church than a praying church. Oh yes, the enemy attacks, but greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And the peace of God will guard our hearts through Christ Jesus. So let's sing our prayer now as we wrap up today. And I think you'll know this song. very simply goes like
2: this when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Why together it is well with my soul with my soul it is well
1: been before us this morning from your word we ask you again teach us to pray for the sake of Jesus and his gospel we ask and everyone said amen amen pastor ABC we,
0: we hope you've enjoyed today's message if you would like to know more about Bethesda Church you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.